Advent is a bit of a strange season. Uh, the texts are a mixture of judgment and hope, and I find them a bit unsettling. Last week, as the season began, we heard about signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth, distress among the nations. Confusion amidst the roaring of the waves and the sea. The gospel writer last week prophesied that people would faint from fear and foreboding of what was coming upon the world. This week, we're hearing about the coming of the Omicron variant and the anticipated stress on the economy, on the southern hemisphere, and on everyone's mental and physical health. Today in the scripture texts, we hear news that the messenger of the covenant is coming. Both Malachi and Luke announce this. And Malachi says, who can endure the day of his coming? Who will be able to stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Now, is it a good thing or a bad thing that he's coming? Is fire a good thing? Fuller's soap? In ancient times, the fuller was the one who applied a harsh-smelling, saponaceous substance to cloth in order to bleach and whiten it. Fullers often did their work in fields outside the city because of the smell. The word full apparently comes from the Anglo-Saxon word fullian, which means to whiten. Both the fuller's soap and the fire are spoken here as pure, of as purifiers. And this is what the messenger of the covenant will be like. The messenger will come to purify the people in preparation for the coming of the Lord. They will come to burn off the dross, wash away the dirt, so that the people will be ready. Sort of like getting a good scrubbing behind the ears. And then Luke, in the New Testament text, shows us the messenger embodied. It's John the Baptist, the wild man in the desert, and he's shouting, repent, change your ways. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. Is this a good thing, that the mountains be made low and the valleys be filled in? I'm not sure. I, I, it's unsettling. And it seems to be in line with the message of the soap and the fire. The message here is that things will need to change. Things will need to be purified in preparation for the coming of the Lord. And if this is ignored, there could be trouble. This biblical message rubs somewhat uncomfortably against our more modern and perhaps secularized understandings of Advent. I would guess that most of us do not perceive the season as all that threatening or demanding. It's quite pleasant, actually. I went out this week and picked up a small tree to set up in our living room, and I came across um, a recipe for wassail. Have you ever heard of wassail? Um, never heard of it before, but it's a holiday drink. Um, 
blend of mulled apple cider, lemon, and ginger, which is mixed with bourbon, a lovely drink for a cold winter's night sitting by the tree. That's the sort of thing I tend to associate with Advent. And Advent is the preparation for Christmas, is it not? The birth of Jesus. And we already know Jesus, right? And he's a good guy. He's come to tell us that our sins are forgiven and that God accepts us unconditionally. So what's there to fear? What's the problem? What needs to change? Well, this is some of the tension that I feel with the Advent season, these, these mixed kind of contradictory messages. Maybe some of you can relate. And I'm thinking that the tension here may speak to some of the struggles some of us are having with Christian faith in general these days. There may be days when we wonder, do we really need it anymore? Do we really need to keep reading and listening to these texts year after year? Are faith and church becoming more of an inconvenience and an irritant than a benefit? In just the recent issue of the Canadian Mennonite, Troy Watson uh, comments on how the pandemic is causing some people to reevaluate their relationship to church. After being away for a while, some are realizing they don't miss it all that much. They're enjoying doing other things on Sunday mornings, and they're starting to understand why the neighbors next door don't go to church. There are other things that one can do. And so maybe there are some people who won't bother coming back. In this article, Watson says, and this is a quote, too often what churches excel at are giving burdened people more burdens. Instead of energizing and encouraging people, many churches end up adding stress to people who are already stressed. Sort of like, come to our Advent services and, listening to, and listen to threatening texts of judgment. Repent. You must be purified in preparation for the coming of the Lord. Well, all of this gets a bit tricky, in my opinion. Mr. Watson may have a point, but then again, maybe not. I suppose it's true that churches can sometimes lay unnecessary burdens on people. I'm thinking of Jesus' critique of the Pharisees. Uh, He says, uh, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. But on the other hand, who says that the purpose of church is to make us feel good? Is the purpose of church to make us feel better? To encourage us? Energize us? Give us a pat on the back? I would say that the purpose of church is to help us meet the truth, the living God, to get to the heart of things, and that this may not always feel good. It could even feel like a burden sometimes, and this is okay. But I guess there are worthwhile burdens 
and there also may be unnecessary, unhelpful burdens. It's not one or the other. It's not always easy to distinguish between the two of them, but burdens in and of themselves cannot be the problem, I don't think, um, because the truth can sometimes feel like a burden. People who are open, who are alive, who are responsible, want to be challenged. They want to be exposed to messages that run counter to the prevailing narratives of the culture. And the scriptures certainly meet that. And that's perhaps a good reason to keep coming to church. People who want to grow in character know that it's not healthy to always follow the path of least resistance, the path of comfort. There is work to be done on the road to growth, and sometimes it's difficult. There's a saying that's true, no pain, no gain. So I think this is an ongoing discernment. And perhaps it's the creative edge of Advent. Maybe there are actually some things in our lives that we need to clean up to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Maybe I do need to be purified in some ways. Maybe there is good reason for me to go through a bit of discomfort. I've been listening to an audio series by a marriage and family therapist named Terence Real, and uh, something that he says in the series came to mind here. Um, he talks about living within relationships, and in relationships we always have choices to make. It's, it's constant uh, thing in flux and negotiation. And moving toward healthier choices can all, often involve some discomfort and pain. Uh, however, he says it's discomfort that's worth enduring because it leads to something better. Uh, he talks about healthy self-esteem in terms of understanding ourselves as the same as other people. A healthy position is a moderate position. I'm not better than you, my partner, and I'm not less than you, or with friends and other relationships. I'm not above you, nor am I below you. As human beings, we're all equal in terms of inherent worth and dignity. He describes how we easily slip into unhealthy self-esteem in either direction. On the one hand, considering ourselves better than others, or on the other, less than others. Better than, he describes as a state of grandiosity. Uh, less than, he describes as being in a state of shame. The goal of healthy relational life is neither to look down on other people, nor to allow them to look down on us. The healing path for some is to come up from shame, and the healing path for others is to come down from grandiosity. He says that for often for men in his practice, the path is coming down from grandiosity. Coming up from shame can often feel good, it can feel empowering, but he says coming down from grandiosity can often feel very uncomfortable. As someone comes down to recognize how they've been arrogant, how they've put their partner down, how they've been acting like a jerk, the realization can be painful. 
recognizing our errors, our sin, will always be painful. But Mr. Real says the pain, is, it's pain that's worth enduring because it's pain that leads to growth, to something better. It's only through seeing and feeling our errors of grandiosity that we can begin to change. Change toward a more healthy, moderate way, toward a more mutual way of relating to greater intimacy and love. So this is an example that, that seemed to fit with this idea of the challenge of discomfort, the challenge of being purified. And I'm sure there's many others. In order to prepare for the coming of the Lord, for the coming of intimacy, love, mutuality, peace, justice, we need to be cleansed of those things that obstruct its coming. If we're going to grow and thrive and be saved as individuals, uh, as a church, as a species, there are some things we're going to need to confront. And this is the gospel message of Advent. Face the reality. Do the work. It's always a temptation to turn away. It's a temptation to just criticize the texts and the tradition and the church for this message that it lays on us. Oh, they're just a bunch of downers reading the same old, out-of-date scriptures of warning and judgment. I'd rather be encouraged on a Sunday morning. I prefer to feel good about myself. I'd rather stay home from church and go for a walk or out to brunch or whatever. It's always a temptation to turn away from this calling and to seek comfort in our own ways, our own plans, our own pleasures, whatever they might be. But Advent reminds us that the call of Christ is toward life and growth, toward justice and truth, toward the kingdom of God, which is the better way. And that sometimes it involves discomfort and repentance. The call of Christ is beyond just ourselves to the beloved community, to the holy tradition, to commitment and participation, to the necessary change in preparation for something much better that is yet to come. Amen.